Welcome to the Callaway Golf Podcast, part of the Callaway Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jeff Newbarth. Welcome to the Callaway Golf Podcast, part of the Callaway Podcast Network. I know I promised you that Jeff would be here today, but he is busy down in Florida and might join us later. I'm Lex. Today, I'm joined by PGA Tour Pro JJ Spawn from my home state of Arizona. JJ, how's it going? Hey, good morning. How are you? Everything's good here. Good. I uh, I heard from my parents recently that things are opening up over there. Have you been able to play some golf? Yeah, actually, uh, surprisingly, um, the governor of Arizona uh, declared golf courses as essential businesses and uh, or I guess essential activity. So uh, fortunately for me and everyone else that's been living here, we haven't um, had like a restriction on golf uh, outings and stuff like that. So we were able to get out and practice and still um, keep our skill set sharp uh, throughout this whole uh, situation. Nice. So what are you feeling good about as far as your game goes right now? Well, yeah, this is kind of, uh, I mean, it's, I, I, I don't know, maybe a blessing in disguise. I mean, I'm able to kind of work on a lot of things that, you know, I've, I haven't had this much time off since maybe before I had status anywhere. So um, it's kind of nice to have, you know, two months, three months almost to, to work on things that you don't feel like you're cramming into like a five week break. Like we know, or like we normally do during the regular season. So um, yeah, being able to take things at my own pace and, not feel like I'm crammed before, you know, starting back up. I have kind of a long amount of time to uh, be prepared again, but I'm definitely itching to get back out there. What club are you feeling most confident in right now? Uh, My putter has actually been my friend lately. Um, Right before we kind of hit this break, um, I switched to a triple track putter and it's just been like night and day, you know, sort of uh, contrast. So it's really helped me and uh, it's helped me grow a lot of confidence in what I've been uh, doing lately in my putting. That's awesome. I also play a triple track putter and I love it. <laughs> yeah, um, ben wants to know what your routine is like before the first tee of a tournament day. Um, my routine, I, uh, let's see, got to take a big swig of water because like if you, if it's a big event or it's Sunday or something, you can kind of, your adrenaline kind of uh, kind of overtakes every other sense that you have. So uh, if you feel a little like dehydrated, I feel like I always like pound like half a water bottle or half a bottle of water before I tee off because it's, you know, a way to kind of like get my mind off of other things and I'm just worrying about drinking water. So um, I get that, you know, as long as, as well as um, getting my tea sheets, uh, everything prepared through my yardage book and stuff like that. And, uh, just get ready to kind of go out there and uh, and grind away and put up a good good score. Brian wants to know if you play differently on Thursday versus on a Sunday of a tournament. Oh well, yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, we try not to. Um, you you want to have the same game plan, the the same strategy, but um, you know, Thursday is obviously the first day of the event, and Sunday is the last. So it's you know depending on where you are, that kind of indicates how you're going to approach the uh, final rounds. But uh, Thursday, you can definitely, you definitely can't win the tournament, but you can definitely lose it. So there's some correlation there between two days, but uh, Sunday, you know, you can kind of adjust, you can be a little more aggressive if you're kind of way back in the pack and you want to make something out of a mediocre week and it can be vice versa where you're playing really good and you're leading with a ton of shots and you just kind of want to stay conservative and protect that lead. So 
Um, definitely easier said than done though. For sure. For sure. Jamie wants to know if there's a particular course on tour that you're more comfortable at versus another. Uh, Torrey Pines. Um, statistically, that's one of my best places for where I play well. Um, I went to school in San Diego, even though people think we've played there a lot um, as a team, we never really did, but just something about being in that area, um, being in Southern California, since I'm a Southern California guy, it's just kind of soothing to, uh, to be out there. And I kind of just have good vibes out there. And I think that's crucial to, to anyone playing uh, a course that they feel like they have good results at. Yeah, definitely. It's so funny. I um, was talking to Jamie Lovemark earlier in the week and it's like for people in San Diego, you always ask like, what's your favorite course? And everyone's like, Tori Pines. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, of course. Oh. It's hard to beat. <laughs> it's super hard to beat. Um, Steven Rogers on YouTube wants to know how he can fix his drives going to the right. Don't we all? Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's tough without seeing Steve's uh, swing, but um, I just assume that your path is a little more out to in. So I would suggest try to reverse those feels feel like you're coming a little more from the inside swinging out. So home plate, you're swinging out to first base as opposed to third base. And, you know, I mean, your, your body will naturally adjust to that. And as the ball shape continues to improve, I'm sure uh, hopefully he'll get the, the swing of things on, on how to not slice so much. It's really interesting that you bring up a baseball analogy because I was at the test center last year with um, John Deegan, one of our fitters, and he was looking at my swing and he said, I need you to swing like you're going out to right field, but close the club face. So think yeah, about that too. Exactly. Um, Jason also wants some help. He says, how do I lower my ball flight with full wedge shots? I feel like I'm always giving up so much distance. Yeah, so wedges definitely are a kind of different animal. Um, I think I think the biggest kind of factor for why people don't have consistent trajectory, consistent distances uh, with their wedges is probably because of the change of loft at um, contact, at impact. So it's important to kind of keep your, your hands quiet you know, you use a lot of body rotation and feel a lot of weight on your, on your lead leg um, to keep the to angle of attack down, but you also don't want to be flipping. You know, I think, think people get release and a flip kind of confused. There's a difference between releasing the club and there's a difference between flipping the club. So with wedges, you're not trying to hit it far. You're not trying to like shape it a certain way. You might hit a baby draw or baby fade, but it's not a long shot. So I think the more passive you are with your hands, and the more you're able to kind of use your big muscles in your upper body to kind of let the hands be quiet and drive down towards the target and use more pressure on your lead leg, get the angle of attack down. <laughs> Sounds like a lot, <laughs> but um, that I think will lower your trajectory as well as make it a more of a consistent carry distance for your wedges. All right, Jason, I hope you took notes. Johnny <laughs> wants to know if you have a preferred shot shape off the tee. Fade. Um, I hate the, I hate the draw. I, I seldom use the draw, um, with any club. Um, I've always been a left to right player. And, um, when I, when things are clicking though, I, I like to shape balls, both the shape the ball both ways, but, um, only situationally, you know, like if the pins on the left and there's water left, uh, obviously, you know, aim right, draw it in. So, um, 
but sometimes there's weeks where I'm feeling really good and I'll just start it over the water because I know it's going to fade to the hole. So um, I try to eliminate the draw as much as possible, but uh, the fade is the preferred slice of preferred shot off the tee. Michael Gutierrez wants to know how often you switch your wedges. That's a good one. Um, I actually have been using the same, I use a four wedge setup, um, 60 degree, 54, 50 as a gap, and then pitching wedge, which is standard. Um, But my 54 and 50, I haven't replaced in over a year. I just feel like, I feel like those wedges are more of like a, full shot sort of club and I don't want tons of like spin. So obviously new wedges and uh, stuff like that, like they put tons of spin on it and it's just hard to control the spin on tour. And I mean, you, you want spin, but you also don't want to be landing pin high and then spinning 30 feet back. I mean, that's the, that's the beauty of, you know, great engineering with wedges, you know, you can put all the spin, but sometimes us tour players, we don't want that much spin. Um, but my 60, however, my most, universal wedge that I use around the greens and um, for, for trying to save shots around the greens. I, I try to keep that as new as possible um, just to be able to have that extra bite around the greens. So that's not really a club I'm hitting fully into every green or a lot of greens. So um, I, I like to have a little more spin there. So probably I'd say I change my 60 once every three to four months, or if it just gets worn out, like if just depends on how much I'm playing getting a little bit outside of golf. I know that you've said multiple times, if you weren't playing golf, you would want to be a professional skateboarder. Golf yeah. Mike 66 says, what was your first skateboard brand that you ever had? Um, my first brand, I got a, I got an element skateboards uh, complete, which is like, well, element makes, makes the deck. And this is probably in 1996. So, um yeah element brand skateboards was my first brand skateboard and uh I'll never forget wearing the Osiris D3 shoes when I was like eight years old I mean everyone that's you know knows about skateboarding can remember what that was like so um yeah element I'll never forget it was my first skateboard I got from Copeland Sporting Goods up in Bakersfield (laughs) wow do you have a like a skateboard with you in your room I see you've got you know some flags from your corn fairy wins I think yeah that's Sean Malto. Oh, he's, nice. He skates for a girl, but he's a big golfer. So cool. obviously, obviously he's got the wrong uh, print there. Uh, <laughs> for his. And then I have some buddies that work in the skate industry and they like, maybe this is a skate mafia board. Oh, wow. So it's like a hole. Skateboard with a hole. <laughs> <laughs> That's super cool. I, um, I mean, I don't know a ton about skateboarding, but like when you have all of those, do you eventually put wheels on or is those just ones that you keep separate? These are just collectors. Cause this is like my okay. man cave. This is like my office room. So I like to, uh, keep things that I want to like have as memorabilia in here and hang them up. And, but I do have tons of other decks and stuff that are completely set up that I ride, um, in my garage. Nice. I see a guitar over there too. I played guitar all growing oh, nice. up. What is that? Uh, this is a Taylor. I just got it like, I don't know, maybe a, ah, I don't know. I use this iPad. <laughs> uh, I don't know. And I have a Les Paul. Nice. I have, like, some Marshall stuff. 
Yeah, cool. I, I like I grew up like my dad was like into the whole music scene and like my dad tried playing, you know, in like bands and stuff in like Hollywood. So um I kind of caught a little bit of his talent with uh, the guitar, you know, growing up throughout life. So I I dabble, I just play for fun and like I don't know like I don't know how to read music. I can read tabs, but I don't mm-hmm. really I don't really know how to like play in like a certain key or improvise. I just like copy songs. <laughs> yeah. No, I do the same it's fun thing. Enough. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, you also are big into cars and Jeff sent me a couple of notes and he said, I have to ask about your Porsche and your new Nissan. Yeah. So I had a Porsche for a long time, oh, a year, but, um, that was like my dream car and I wanted, I wanted it really bad. And I went through tons of crap to get it. Cause it was like really hard to get. And, um, that kind of like, I don't know, it just, it made me kind of like super, protective over it because I knew how hard it was to get and it was it wasn't very cheap um so I had the Porsche it was a Porsche GT3 991.2 so it was really cool and I just never drove it I was like too afraid to like take it out I was too afraid to like park it somewhere where I didn't know like what the parking situation was like golf clubs never fit so um it just, it was sad because I would be on the road for so long and I'd come home and I should be looking forward to driving it, but I would just drive like my, my wife's car instead to yeah. the golf course. I would just go from the, from the house to the golf course. And, you know, I've, I've had, I had a ton of good times with it, but that thing is meant for like the tracks and being able to like, you know, push it to its limits and driving it around town is not really going to, you know, get the most out of it. But, um, you know, I, I enjoyed it and I, sold that and got something kind of close. It was actually up in between those two, um, up before I got the Porsche between the Nissan GTR and the Porsche GT3. So Mm -hmm. when I was able to get the Porsche, I was like, well, obviously I'm going to get that. So (laughs) when I got that, you know, luckily I didn't lose money on it, you know, because it's a pretty easy car to sell once you have it. Um, And then I got the GTR, which has a massive trunk. I could fit my staff bag and like a stand bag and it's got back seats, which aren't very practical for anyone but if you needed them they're there so um yeah I'm I'm really pleased with you know being able to actually drive it everywhere it's kind of a daily driver friendly I guess nice and we were talking a little bit um because I just watched Drive to Survive on Netflix and you're big into F1 and that's your favorite show I had no idea about that like that that sport was so big. I'd heard Formula yeah. 1 and like yeah. whatnot. Um what how long have you been into it now? Well, it's the same thing. Like my buddy back home uh, or in California, he he kind of got me into it. Like he didn't say like you need to watch it. He's like, "Hey, like check out this." Like I've heard of F1, but I never really understood it. And mm-hmm. I didn't know there was a difference between F1 and IndyCar, so like the Indy 500, I was like, "Oh, let's go to the F1 in Long Beach, she's like, dude, no, that's in Like, it's completely different. Um, so yeah, I think it was just more understanding, like, you know, how things are run, and and I didn't realize exactly like what you said, how big of a deal it is. I mean, you look at some of these drivers, and you look at their followings on social media. I mean, they have like tens of millions of followers. So like, you know, I mean, to co- compare to like the golf world, and you think like, you know, someone like Phil is like really big, and I'm sure he is, but you know, like there's other sports like F1 that it's like kind of a select group of people that like to follow it, but um, it's got a big outreach. So um, yeah, I, I started at watching the F1 drive to survive on Netflix. And that was like, 
my introduction to like the F1 world. And I was like, this is awesome. So I've kind of been, you know, I've had the itch for it ever since. And I was, I was at the players ready to like, not watch it, but I knew the, the Australian Grand Prix was starting that week. And I was like, yes, this is going to be sick. Like finally. And then all this crap happened. So I know um, it's been put on hold just like golf. If there was one race that you could go to, what would it be? Mm, see, like I would want to go somewhere where I could have like good views or whatever. And I don't know which one that would be, but based off of like history and, and like the uniqueness, probably like Monaco. Oh yeah. The like, Monaco. That's where they like, all go live and stuff. Like yeah, all the drivers. It incredible. Like, yeah. Monaco would be sweet. I was talking to my friend the other day and I was like the Singapore race though. Like that's the yeah. one under the lights, right? I have the right. Yeah. The it, night light. Yeah. The night that race. looks incredible. Yeah. I just, yeah. That would be sweet. Yeah. And um, I didn't know, I didn't know how like intricate the whole thing was, you know, you got to build cars from like the start. You can't test them till then. And you can't, you know, you have certain restrictions and how certain, certain teams have bigger budgets and certain teams don't. And, it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, and I'm really interested to see the, because there is going to be like a cap, right. On what they spend soon. Yes. Not, it wasn't going to be this season, but next season. So, right. I don't know. We'll have to yeah, we'll le- keep level the playing that. field. Yeah, we will for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, JD Opperman on YouTube wants to know if you like your Maverick driver and woods. I sure hope so. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I love them. Um, this is my second year with the Callaway family and the, it's, it's been so uh, seamless kind of transferring, you know, last year's driver was great and, and it's just getting even better. So I'm really pleased with the, uh, the accuracy that I've gotten out of this driver. I feel like, I feel like the way that they've designed it is very um, user-friendly. Like it's kind of like what, what it, it's got like an individual sort of uh, aspect to it. You know, whatever you want to see is kind of what you can get out of it. Cause there's, different heads and stuff so um it's it's very nice and I, I hit it far I hit it straight and it's definitely one of my better clubs this season is uh getting the ball in play off the tee and in the fairways and and far far and straight I mean like what else can yeah, you work for yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> um Nate I think I know the answer to this question but he says which pro sport teams do you root for well you're from LA yeah, I would I would put on my Dodger hat, but I know you guys are down in San Diego. I don't want to offend as many <laughs> Padre Thank fans, you. but Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, Los Angeles Dodgers are. You know, I don't really follow too many other sports teams, but the Dodgers have always been like a part of my you know life growing up, living there, going to games, being close to the stadium. You know, always having them on local channels to watch. So that's kind of the one sport you know where. I was able to kind of, you know, have attention towards versus just golf, you know, like, cause golf's so consuming. I mean, you don't, you kind of are just busy doing that stuff. And um, it was hard for me to get into the NFL, but I was a big Chargers fan when I went to San Diego state. Um, Lots. uh, I had a couple of buddies on my team that were season ticket holders and we'd go to games down at Qualcomm all the time. So um, if I were to say, you know, if I had a team, it'd definitely be the Chargers. Or, you know, now that you're in Scottsdale, you, could, you yeah. Could, yeah. could make a little switch. Just kidding. I won't push you. Uh, <laughs> I see Larry Fitzgerald quite a bit. I mean, I wouldn't mind being a Cardinals fan, so. 
Oh, yeah. Do you get the chance to play with him at all or you just see him around? I see him around a lot. I mean, I don't – he's got his group of buddies. I mean, I, maybe one day I'll make my way into there. But I definitely pl- – I played with him uh, at Pebble one year for just a practice round, nine-hole practice yeah. round. Like, it's one of those things we kind of, like, met up at the tee at the right time. And I was like, you can go if you want by yourself. He's like, no, let's play. I was like, all right, cool. So, yeah, we did that. And uh, he's a re- really great guy and a great golfer too. So in looking at the match this weekend, right, it's a pretty big weekend. That's why Jeff isn't with us today. Um, would you rather play with Tom or with Peyton? TB12. I don't know. You just – I don't know. He's got like that – I don't know. Maybe it's just because Peyton hasn't been in the league for a while. And not that he's forgotten, but, you know, I mean, I think – I think uh, Tom Brady's kind of, you know, the forefront of, you know, quarterbacks in the league and maybe close to history. So uh, TB12 for sure. If you had, if this that's was Phil's you, partners, gonna, right? That's huh, Phil's that's partner. partner. All mm-hmm. right, cool. <laughs> if you were going to go play in this match, who would you want to be your partner? If you had your choice, anybody, anybody, any athlete, let's say we'll take, if it's going to be Michael like a Jordan. Tom or a Peyton. Wow, that was so Michael fast. <laughs> yeah, I, MJ. Uh, yeah, I mean, especially he's probably the best the non-golf. Dance. He's definitely probably the best like non-golf professional that you know plays a different sport or had played a different sport, for sure. Have you had the chance to play with him when you were in Florida ever? No, I wish. Um, I've only heard stories, and they're mm-hmm. great stories. So I just know, like, whether he's on my team or not, like, I would still want to play with that guy. <laughs> also i have to ask about your cat because jeff you know talks about his 18 year old cat miles all the time miles oh, yeah. is, you know a wonder so let's hear about tinkles so yeah so tinkles is my wife's cat like he's my cat from marriage basically <laughs> i guess however you want to <laughs> adopted i yeah identify you know who owns what but no um he's a 13 year old siamese mix uh pretty cute very soft uh he my wife before I met her she had him for a few years so um the seven years we've been together he's slowly adapted to liking me he's very standoffish if he doesn't know you like he won't come around you he's one of those cats so he he's got to earn your you got to earn his trust or whatever vice versa and uh yeah he's just it's when he plays hard to get a lot so so when you actually do like kind of get intimate with him or whatever or like get to pet him or cuddle him or whatever it's like very sad oh finally like you're letting me give you love cat give me love (laughs) um but no he's cool I mean it's great that we've been having this little break because he gets he doesn't get to travel with us and my wife travels with me like 95 percent of the time so we have a cat sitter that comes every other day to like feed him, check in on him when we're gone. And we're gone for weeks at a time, four to five, you know, at most. So I feel bad. There's times where he, you know, is, is at home by himself with no like interaction and he hides. So it's nice to be able to be home for this long stretch. And we're kind of like developing like lots of things and routines that we normally wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of those is like going outside. Like he's always been an indoor cat. Cause he, I don't know, she's just paranoid. He's going to run away or something, but now we have like our own backyard and like, you know, everything's fenced in and we have a pool and, you know, in Arizona it can get really hot and it was hot the last few weeks. So 
um, we'll take him out and he'll just like watch us. And then my wife will like dip his paws in the pool and he doesn't really like it. But then he realizes when he, once he gets out and he's like kind of cooled down with a little bit of the pool water, he actually likes it. So um, one time she like carried him in like a baby and we were like holding him in the pool and he like got out of her arms and he just like started swimming. And I have it on my Instagram. He swam from where we were holding him to like the front steps and just jumped out. Like he obviously didn't like it, but he wasn't like going crazy, you know, but he just swam like a little otter. It was like amazing. So <laughs> we're like, we're finding all these new activities um, with him and, and he's getting to really enjoy like being a cat, you know, cause you know, it's not very often where he gets to, you know, have our undivided attention for this length of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really nice. And I know, like you said, it's getting super hot in Arizona right now. Have you been able to like hike at all before this? Because I know everybody loves to hike like Camelback and get outside. Yeah, I I heard some people have been having access to trails and stuff. We have never hiked Camelback yet, but um, we're hopefully. So my my wife's fifteen weeks pregnant. So um, congratulations! Thank you. Yeah. So hopefully um, when she starts feeling better, we can get her more outdoors and we can do some of that, you know, outdoor activity because we haven't had this much time to do it. And before, yeah, it gets hot, like this is the right time to do it. So um, it'll be, it'll be nice to get outdoors and, and get some fresh air here pretty soon. Yeah, I bet. Well, that, that is so exciting. I'm sorry. I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Yeah, it is exciting. It is. So with the schedule then, the condensed schedule, are you still planning on playing a lot before you know the playoffs and everything then? Yeah, uh, I'm going to play Hilton Head through, shoot, I don't know. I don't even, I mean, I think there's maybe eight or nine events left that don't include the WGCs or majors. So um, it's a very short schedule before the playoffs and um, I got to make up some ground because they, you know, we had this whole thing. So uh Hopefully I can, you know, get, get some really high finishes the last few events and make my way up through the uh, FedEx Cup playoffs and, uh, you know, see what happens. But, yeah, it's just been a weird year, and it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to even really know what to expect when we go back. I mean, we've gotten an idea of what they're going to do for protocol and all that, but I think it's going to boil down to, you know, if guys want to be out on the road, you know, as far as playing. So, um, I know I want to be out there and I want to play, but you know, there's definitely like a risk and there's definitely some sort of, you know, critical thinking you got to think about before subjecting yourself to what's going on out there. Well, we'll definitely be rooting for you while you're out there. If people don't follow you, where can they on Instagram, Twitter? Yeah, I'm on Instagram. Um, I'm pretty active on that. I'll do a lot of stories and stuff. Um, Twitter I'm on, but I don't really tweet anything much unless it's like significant stuff. But uh, I've been trying to be more active with this downtime and uh, be more engaging with my followers. So uh, yeah, those two platforms are kind of my main things. What are your handles? Ah, uh, JJ Spawn. <laughs> Can't get any more simple than that. <laughs> yeah, at All JJ right. Spawn. And last thing before we let you go, what is your prediction for the match on Sunday? Who is going to make the most money for charity? I think I think Phil and Tom are going to get it done. I, I don't know if Peyton's ready for kind of this exposure and this mm-hmm. sort of magnitude. So, um, you know, we know we know that they're all great athletes and we know that, you know, 
whoever wins, it's for a good cause. But uh, I'm going to give the edge to uh, Phil and Tom. All right. Well, there it is. I hope you guys have enjoyed listening to this live podcast. You can find it also on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, even YouTube. Um, Next week, I'm not really sure what our schedule is, but we'll have something for you. Catch you next time. See ya. See ya. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.